<laughs> Apparently it's all done, Dad. I think. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let, let's, let's pray for our children as they go back and learn the gospel. God, I thank you so much for uh, those kids. I thank you for the hope that is in their eyes. And I thank you for the fact that your son Jesus taught us to be like them, God. Um, Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful that you've given us... Uh, a place to gather and, and to teach and to understand and learn your gospel. And I pray for those who are serving in the ministry, working to, with children this morning. I pray that they would um, have courage in chaos, Father, and, and speak your gospel into these children. And I pray for their open hearts and minds and spirits to, to receive the planting of your gospel into them, Father. And I pray that as they grow and mature, Father, that you would continue to Allow us to water the gospel that you've planted in them, Father. And Lord, I pray that they would be the next generation of leaders of your church. Thank you for children and thank you for leaders willing to, to take out of their time and to go and serve and plant the gospel in them. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I'm, I'm really, like, I don't know about you, but I just had a really good time singing just then. Um, and thankfully for each of you, I was singing in the front and not the back so you don't have to hear me singing loud and cracking. Uh, but, like, God has been pressing into me this idea of courage and chaos for about 10 days now. And to, to sing what we just sang, uh, the songs that we sang, um, Kelly sings uh, uh, the line at the end of the, the second song this morning. Um, You've never failed and you won't stop start now. You've never failed and you won't start now. And I, like, I think of, of when Kelly sings that, I think of the struggle and stress that the last couple of years brought to, to you and your family and trying to find a job for Abram and the, the difficulty and hardship that that was. And, and then I think of, of like our current situation and, uh, and I know other situations of you guys and, and like it's, it's so real, it's so honest, it's so true. Um, like he's never failed and why would he start with, with your situation. Just not going to happen. And like, I, I want to bring courage to you this morning. And that sounds so, so weak. I want to bring the courage of the Lord to you this morning, because if you have courage, because I told you to, it's going to, it's going to rise and fall on my ability to come through for you. And it, it just doesn't. It rises and falls on God's help. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the Lord. Um, that's powerful. That's really good stuff. Courage is a great virtue. We follow courage. We want courage in our leaders. Um, I want to want to read. Uh, let's play a little game this morning. Um, courage is is a staple in a lot of in a lot of uh, art uh, in a lot of movies. And I want to read quotes to you guys from some movies that show courage. And you guys have to guess which movies they are. You ready? It's going to be fun. All right. Uh, I'll start with an easy one. You guys are probably already expecting me to read this, uh, so it'll be easy for you. I, and I'm not going to try any, any like, like um, no, no impressions, none of that stuff. Um, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. 
and dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance? You guys are starting to come with me here, aren't you? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our... (laughs) Yes. Where's that from? Braveheart. Yes. Very simple. Very easy one. But there's courage that a leader is pouring into people in the midst of that. Um, A little less... uh, well-known. <clears throat> this one is really great. Um, by the way, I, I wasted a lot of time on YouTube this week. Um, great moments are born from opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game, if we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight we skate with them. Tonight we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players, every one of you. You were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing what a great hockey team the Soviets have. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Yes, miracle. Miracle. Mighty Ducks? No, it's not the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) happy Gilmore yes but like the idea is they're pouring he's pouring courage into these people these that it's it's in you and and let make make no mistake the power of the gospel is in each and every one of the power the full power of the gospel is in every one of us last one Buddy, hold this under the backboard. What is it? How far? 15 feet. Strap. Put Ollie on your shoulders. Measure this from the rim. Buddy, how far is it? 10 feet. 10 feet? I think you'll find these exact measurements at our gym back in Hickory. You guys know what that one is? Hoosiers, thank you. Yeah. Investing courage into young men. Investing courage into people. This is the heart of what's happening here. Um, there is another film. I want, I'm, I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to read to you. I'm going to actually show it to you because this movie was, was written and, and directed for this sermon. Like, like Tolkien wrote it for this purpose. Jackson created the film for this purpose today um, to, to show you the beauty that, that God intends to pour into you in courage. And the, you know, like, we're laughing, we're having fun, we're being silly, but, but the fact is God wants to invest his gospel in you. And when he invests his gospel in you, courage has to come out of that. It's, if, if there's no courage in you, there's probably, you probably are missing the fullness of the gospel. Um, so let's, uh, let's watch this clip and continue in a second. You have only one choice. The ring must be destroyed. And what are we waiting for? The ring cannot be destroyed, Gimli, son of Gloin, by any craft that we here possess. 
The ring was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. It must be taken deep into Mordor and cast back into the fiery chasm from whence it came. One of you must do this. One does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does not sleep. And the great eye is ever watchful. Towards the end there, there's evil there that does not sleep. Um, this morning, our passage is in Second uh, Samuel, verse 10. So if you want to turn there, that would be great. Um, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We've got some in the back. Somebody will, will bring you one. Second uh, Samuel, verse, or chapter 10 is where we are. Uh, a little background for this story. Um, we're going to see interaction between David and the Israelites with uh, the new king of Ammon and the father of this new king had just passed away and there was a treaty that was in place between Ammon's king who just passed away and David and the Israelites. There was a treaty like we're going to protect one another, we're going we're to be partners, we're going we're to share resources, we're going to be together. This treaty was in place. Um, so David hears of the death of this king and the transition of the throne to his son, and he sends some emissaries, some ambassadors to Ammon to, to pay their respects and to kind of reinvigorate this treaty. Let's, you know, hey, I loved you. I love your dad. I loved your dad, and, and I pay my respects to him. Let's continue on this, this relationship that God has given to us. Let's continue and, and be partners here. So he sends these, these emissaries, ambassadors there to, to bring that message to them. And the he receives them, and yeah, that's, yeah, let's do this. And then he gets some counsel from his people and says, these guys are not emissaries or ambassadors, they're spies. And David's intent is to come, and these guys are going to check out what's happening, find our weak spots, send his army to destroy us and take us over. You need to do something about this. And the new king says, you're right. And what he does is something that's, that he shaves off half of these men's beards, and in this age, this was like a, a beard, and thankfully I live in this age and not that age, because your beard was, was your connectivity to God. This was like, it, it was your manhood, your beard. Like, this is, this is a week here I got going, so it I would have been uh, not, not so good. But so he, he, cut, he cuts their, half of their beards off and leaves half of them there, so he, he sends them back literally as half men, but he doesn't just do that. He literally stripped from the waist down, he strips them completely naked and beats them up and sends them home. So these guys are, are naked from the waist down, half a beard, beaten up, sent back home to David. When we pick up the story in verse 6 of chapter 10. Um, it says, when the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, in other words, they realized that David was angry that he did to his emissaries what, what they did to them. And the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Makkah with 1,000 men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. In other words, he hired people to come and fight the war because he knew David was going to come and fight him. So he hired 32,000 plus men to fight. 
verse 7. And David heard of it. He sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. Again, we've talked about mighty men throughout the course of this. There's about 30 mighty men, and they were the elite. They were the, the Green Berets. They were the, the, the best fighters that David had. So he sends these guys and all their people to go and fight, led by Joab. Joab was the leader of the, the army and the mighty men. Uh, verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, Actually, let's go back to, to verse 8. I, I skipped that one. And the Ammonites came out and drew up battle at the array of the entrance to the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Makkah were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. And the rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. So ultimately, here's what's happening. Um... David is angry. He sends Joab to go fight this battle, and they go to Ammon, and they're at the gates of Ammon, and the Syrians aren't anywhere to be found. They're there ready to fight them. That's exciting. That's good. That's great. We're going to win this battle. But then, like, circling back behind their army are all these 32,000 men they just hired. And they didn't just hire. These are the best of the best. These 32,000 men aren't just random people. These are warriors who are really good at what they do. So this small army led by Joab is basically locked in here. And so there's great stress, great turmoil, great chaos that's present here for these guys. So, so get, get that picture. Their certain death is inevitable for these guys. Um, I want to make four points that, that bring from this. We'll, we'll read the rest of this uh, story in just a bit. But I want to, the first point that I want to make, I want to stop and make here. Um, mission defines the difference between courage and foolishness. Mission defines the difference between courage and foolishness. Here in the middle of this situation, Joab is full of courage. However, if he's not there on his mission, he's foolish because it's only Joab that's there. All right? You, you, let, I, I, need, I need you to track with this. For us, we have, let's, let's bring this into, into our age and our, our situation. We have chaos that surrounds us. We live in North County. There's chaos that's surrounding us. The world is paying attention to the chaos that's surrounding us. If we aren't living on our mission, we're being foolish in the middle of that chaos. If we are living on our mission in the middle of that chaos, we can have all the courage that comes with, I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord. If you're off mission, the help's not coming from the Lord. If you're on mission, it's coming from the Lord. We have nothing to fear, like Joab here in the story. But Joab is in the middle of where he's supposed to be. See, here's the thing for us. I think we can learn to just exhale and, and not do and not be. But the fact of the matter is, God has called every one of us to something very specific. And if he hasn't called you to something very specific, if you can't think of it, with immediacy, you need to spend today in prayer asking him to tell you what that is. Because there's a very fine line between courage and foolishness, and it has a lot to do with our mission. Joab is right in the middle of exactly who he was created to be. And because he is right in the middle of exactly who he was created to be, courage pours out of him. As we see, that's why I read that, that clip from earlier from, 
from Miracle the movie. You guys were born to be hockey players. Let's, this is why you were created. And that, so there is a reason that why you were created. There are, there are skills, there are things in your upbringing, there's places where you live, uh, leanings of your heart that create for you what God has called you to do. Here, let me, let me be very simple. Are you a husband here in this room? Then you have a very specific mission to your bride. Let me read this for you. Are you a husband? You have a calling to lay down your life for your bride, to love your bride as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He rescues her. He saves her. He becomes sin for her. He has his body ripped apart for her. He does it all on his own, and he doesn't ask him to. He sees the need, and he does it. If you are a husband in this room, you have a, a mission to lay down your life as Christ laid down his life for the, for the church. That's how you are to be to your bride. That's a very specific, very real mission, period. Don't be confused. Are you a wife? You have a calling to submit to your husband, to the Lord. Do you know that Proverbs calls the wife, an excellent wife, the crown of her husband? Think of your husband and what, what God has called him to do, to literally beat himself up for you take on your sin and lay down his life for you. Women, your call is to be the crown of your husband, to submit to him in the midst of that. That's, that's a beautiful and lofty and huge mission for your life. If you aren't submitting to that, please don't have courage because you will fail. Are you a parent in this room? You have a calling to lead, to sacrifice selflessly, to invest the gospel in your children. You have a calling to repent in front of them. You have a calling to say, I'm sorry. You have a calling to show them how to forgive and be forgiveness. You have a calling to invest. Do you know that God decided before time began that he would give you the children that he's given to you? And the point of that is for you to lead and equip and plant the gospel into those lives. It's a huge responsibility. We need to see that as our mission. And when we fail to live that as our mission, please don't have courage. You will fail. There's a difference between courage and foolishness, and mission is in the middle of it. Are you a church member? You are called to serve God with your gifts here in this place or, or that place, wherever you are a member of a church. You are called to serve God there with your gifts and talents so that the body of Christ can be built up. That's a biblically mandated call for you. Are you a member here? Are you serving here? Are you a member someplace else? Are you serving there? Your mission is there. You also have a mission in your workplace, in your community, discipling younger or newer Christians. You have a, like there's schools on, like everywhere. There's a perfect mission field. Principals, public and private, begging for people to come and read to their children. That's an easy mission right in front of you. Go, do it, be it. But courage is only as valuable as its foundation. For Joab in this story, the foundation was leading an army. It was his mission. When he was in the middle of being who he was created to be, he had courage and he had faith in God. Without faith, without God, the mission of Joab is foolish. Everyone dies without God. 
And if we, we, we can see that in this picture, think about all of these men in front of them and all these men behind them, and certain death awaits them without God. It's clear there, right? It's easy for us when it's really chaotic to see we need God. But that mission is no more important for the eternity of souls than, than the stuff I just read. The mission of Joab, when he was there and those men were going to die, were not for God. That mission is, is no more eternally significant than what you do with your children. That mission is no more eternally significant than what you do in your community, what you do with the, the person who works in a cubicle next to you. That mission is, like, just because there's people in front of them have weapons and they want to kill them, the eternal spiritual battle is very real and very present and very happening. And unless we have Christ as our foundation, faith as our foundation, our mission is foolish. Uh, verse 11 is a beautiful verse. <clears throat> it says, and he said, this is Joab speaking to his brother. So Joab's at one end and his brother's at the other and leading those separate armies. Verse 11, he says to his brother, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. If those that are, you are fighting are too strong for you, I'm going to come help. If they're too strong for me, then you're going to come and help me. There is courage in community. There's courage in community. Um, we're here together um, to live life together, and God has called us to this time and this place to plant the gospel in this community. And there, is, there, are, there are pressures and stresses on the lives of people that are in this room right now, that, that chaos is abounding, chaos surrounds. But here's, here's the ultimate plan of God. He created this thing called the church. And one of the, the, the church has many purposes, but one of those purposes is to is to share life, to bring courage, to pour courage, to, pair, to, to pour faith, to pour community into one another. So I want to I do something this morning. I want, is there, are you in the middle of something that you need courage for? Um, think about that for a second. And I'm going to ask you, to, if there is, I mean, this is, this is totally anti, like you, you're not supposed to do this uh, in churches where you could make someone feel uncomfortable, but frankly, I don't care. Um, if, there, if there's something that you need the courage of God for in this community to stand with you, let me read verse 11 again. If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall come and help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Is there something that appears to be too strong for you in this moment, in this day, in this age? Will you stand up? Notice, I'm standing. Whenever you're ready. Sarah, you look like you're about to stand up. No, just stand. You don't have to stand thing. Just stand up. Just stand up. Like, like I, I, I don't need to know, don't want to know. I do want to know. We can talk later. I don't need to know right now. But, like, the facts are there is, there is chaos around us all the time. And, and God's design, God's design, the creator of the universe who could do whatever he wanted to, 
This is the method that he chose to design to bring courage to you. The people that are around you. Here's what we're going to do in this moment. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray for God's courage to come upon us. So if you're sitting, go to somebody who's standing. Put your hands on them and Dave's going to voice a prayer. And we're going to pray for those who need courage. Go. Father, I thank you for the reality of this life that forces us, whether we like it or not, to admit that we need help. And I thank you for each person that boldly stood up to say, I need help. And God, I thank you that you're a God that's real and that you're present. I pray right now for those that are standing as they're surrounded, as hands are on them, that they would sense your courage, that they would sense your presence, that they would sense that you are near. God, would you speak into them? God, some trust in horses, some trust in man-made things, some trust in all kinds of different things. I pray this morning that these individuals that need strength, would find their trust in you alone. Yes. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you infuse hope and courage into those that are standing to go forward, not in their own power, but with you. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. You guys can go back and have a seat. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that. Sometimes the, uh, the coolest thing is when a, when a metaphor becomes real and practical. Um, and that's what just happened. The reality is there were people praying for people who find themselves in need of the courage of, of the Lord. And the metaphor is there's a church that God has called you to and we stand and sit and, and, and come together to be who God was calling us to be. There's, there's, a, there's a very real thing that just happened. We came to the throne of God with our requests. Very real. Praying for a very practical thing in people's lives. But there's also the metaphor that we're here together to bring courage with one another. Shoulder to shoulder. Investing the gospel in our lives and in our communities. It's a beautiful thing. The third point that I want to make this, make this morning is the courage of a leader, and Christ is ours. I'm the guy who gets to stand in front with a Bible open and a microphone and speak, but I am not your leader. Jesus Christ is our leader. If you want to follow me, only do so as I follow Christ. When I don't, smack me. Joab was a powerful leader. 
his brother and his fellow commander were dependent upon him. And literally dependent upon him with their lives. Joab was not the leader. The Lord was. Look at what verse 12 says. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people. That's a, that's a really big thing. Let us be courageous for our people. As we've sought for about a year where God is going to move us to, what building God is going to move us to, this has been a prayer for ours, for us, as we're trying to figure that out. Be courageous and let us be courageous for our people. That's been at least half of our elders meeting. Every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. we get together. That idea, that notion has been on our brains and on our tongues for at least half of that time. Let us be courageous for our people. But it doesn't just end there. For the cities of our God. And I want to use that, that idea of cities. For them, it's a very practical thing. The, the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, is a very, very real thing for them. But for us, we can use cities metaphorically. What is your city? Maybe it's a very real, very practical city. Florissant, Hazelwood, Ferguson, wherever. Bridgeton, whatever. Very real city. For others, your city, your metaphor, what God is calling you to be courageous for, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your school, maybe it's your church, maybe it's someplace else. But God is calling you to be courageous for your city. But the, the best part, the punchline of this sermon, of this confrontation is what comes after that comma. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. May the Lord do what seems good to him. Do you see the beautiful faithfulness that's there? If I die here today on this battle, if that seems good to the Lord, yes. We, we desperately need to redefine our, our use of the word good Good doesn't mean enough money to pay your bills and well-behaved children and a, a, a bigger church building that can be completely ours. That's not the definition of good. That is a 2016 Western civilization definition of good. Good means the presence of God real in your life. May the Lord do what seems good to him. There is trust that's there. I want to spend the next few minutes together pointing our attention to our leader, Christ. Jesus has been the perfect example of this by enduring the brutality of the cross, doing what seems good. God, this is what I want, but what seems good to you. Do you does that prayer kind of resonate with, with Jesus in the garden? God, don't make me do this. Let this cup pass from me. But whatever your will is, I surrender, I submit. Jesus is before Joab, not chronologically, but before Joab spiritually, Jesus. He said this 
in verse in Hebrews 12:2 Paul says this about Jesus we are to look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God Jesus right in the middle of his mission he looks beyond the moment to eternity like that's the key to courage those of you who stood up look beyond the moment of this chaos to eternity do you know that god has a plan for your chaos the plan that he has for your chaos chaos is to strengthen your faith so that you might have more courage so that you might trust him more and not just to end with you as he does that to you as he buoys your your spirit and your soul and gives you courage he's called you to do that in your culture to your wife, to your children, to your husband, to your parents, to those who sit next to you, to those who sit on their sofas and don't do a thing. God is calling you to endure your chaos, to speak that truth of his faithfulness, of his goodness, for the joy that is set before him. Do we, like, the joy that is set before Christ allowed him to endure the cross. That's a beautiful thing. He looks beyond the moment and has courage. The last point I want to make is a short one. I'm just going to read some passages of Scripture to you. Is courage in chaos is rooted in faith in a good God. Verse 13 of our story. Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians and they fled before him. And the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, and they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. He didn't really fight. Like, that's just silly. Like, you think of the physical thing that happened. He's done. He's got no chance. And they run away. And how did that happen? Joab, smack in the middle of his mission, completely trusting in the Lord God to do what seems good to him, and God delivers. I want to read four passages of Scripture over you, and then we're going to get to respond. Psalm 20, verse 7 I read it. Dave just prayed it. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. When the disciples were on the boat scared to death, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Take courage, it is I. Make that. Take out your, your smartphone right now and set an alarm to go off at some random point this week that says, take courage, it is I. It's, so, it's Jesus right in front of you. In your chaos. Take courage, it is I. Romans eight twenty eight. You knew this one was coming. 
And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans eight thirty one through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give graciously to us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and is now seated at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's great news. Have courage. Live on your mission. Be on mission. Be right in the middle of it and be not afraid. Take courage. It is I. Your Savior says to you. Your Savior says to you, take courage. Please take courage. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the strength and truth of your word. Thank you so much for Jesus. God, you are a beautiful God and you've seen fit in your perfect plan to save us from our sins and to pour courage into us, Father. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these people that you've given to us to buoy us in times of chaos, that courage might be a foundation built upon your gospel. You are incredible and you are a good God. Lord, give us this day the courage that we need to face the mission to which you've called us. And may we rise to it with boldness and strength. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, how I thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen. So as we enter into our time of response, I want to remind us that these moments right now are all about positioning ourselves underneath the waterfall of God's grace. Like That's what we're doing right now. Is that in the midst of what we just heard and the courage that the Spirit has poured into us, it's like, not, now what? And maybe you're sitting here and you're wrestling through areas where you don't trust enough. We all have them. Maybe you're wrestling through, what does it look like for me to live out the mission that God has given me? Now is the time for you to embrace that, repent where repentance is needed, confess where confession is needed, and be filled with Him, and respond in obedience to the Lord. And so we're going to stand and we're going to sing songs of proclamation to the Lord. 
There'll be people in the back. If you want prayer, if you want someone to pray specifically over you, we would love to do that. There's tables up front, and um, we have baskets. And if you're a regular here, this is an opportunity for you to just be reminded that everything that I am really is built in Jesus. It's not built in what I give to the offering, but it's a reminder of giving to the Lord really is attached to our hearts, which is why we include it with communion, to be reminded that it's the broken body and shed blood of Jesus alone that gives us the courage because Jesus is the one who had the courage to trust that his Father's will was good and right. So as you come up and you tear off the bread and you dip it in the juice, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're reminded that it was the courage of Jesus that gives you acceptance, not your own. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate the goodness of our God. So let's respond as the Lord leads.